You're listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Good morning, and happy Father's Day to all of you uh, dads out there. Um, If you're visiting with us, let me say that we're so grateful that you're here with us uh, as our guest, or if you're watching online for the first time, thank you for joining us. We'd love to know who you are. You can text the word CONNECT to the number that you see on the screen, and one of our Connect team members will follow up with you this week. Or if you're here with us on campus, you can stop by one of the welcome areas on your way off campus this morning, and the team there would love to help you learn how you can get plugged into the life of this church. I also want to remind you that July 4th is coming up, and we have our July 4th community celebration uh, right here on our campus on that day. Uh, It's a great time. There's activities, there's free food, um, and there's things blowing up in the sky as we celebrate our independence. And so we expect a great crowd. We'd love for you to be there. If you're a part of this church, we'd love for you to serve. If you're able, you can help with setup. You can help, help, help with teardown. You can help with activities in the middle of that. You can go to our website uh, to register, to volunteer uh, for that event. And then um, also, uh, we, uh, you may be aware that we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Our church cooperates with other churches of similar uh, doctrine and faith uh, for missions purposes. We had our annual uh, meeting this past week, and um, we don't really feel like this is an appropriate time to get into all of those details. However, we do have a podcast called Boggy Talk that uh, comes out just about every week, and so we will be uh, focusing on uh, what took place at that convention and our reflections on it over the next two weeks. So I would encourage you to check out if you are check that out if you are interested in that. Hit subscribe. Sorry, I've always my kids want me to say that. So hit subscribe. All right. I don't even know what that means, really. Ephesians chapter three, if you would turn there, that's a good time to change the subject. Ephesians chapter three, uh, we're gonna continue uh, in Ephesians. We're going through Ephesians most of the second half of this uh, year, uh, or really the last two thirds of this year, and we are in chapter three, and we're talking about this idea of the mystery, as Paul mentions in Ephesians three, and today we are talking about the mystery of the manifold wisdom of God, or perhaps, as it's classically referred to, the manifest wisdom of God. And I'm gonna read Ephesians chapter three, verse seven through 13. Ephesians chapter three, verse seven through 13. Paul writes, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. 
I believe that there are two main points in this text. And so we're gonna focus on those two main points and we'll unpack each of those points with some sub points. I wanna give you those two main points now. The first is that God takes empty vessels and fills them with his power. God takes empty vessels and fills them with his power. The second is that God's power enables the church to show the world the wisdom of his purpose. God's power enables the church to show the world the wisdom of his purpose. Thank you, Pastor Justin, for praying over our time in the word this morning. And I pray that the same spirit which has sent people to the Dominican Republic and Madagascar and serving at various camps uh, from within our church this summer would be the same spirit that moves in us. And maybe there would be someone here today who responds to the call to devote their life to the mission of God vocationally and that all of us would respond with devoting our life to the mission of God wherever we might be. So the first thing that I wanna talk about from this text is this idea that God takes empty vessels and fills them with his power. This is a core understanding of Christianity. What might be missing in your life today is nothing. You have ability. You have knowledge. You have drive or desire. But what you lack is nothing. Look at the words of the Apostle Paul in verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Verse eight, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The apostle Paul says, I am the very least of all the saints. When Paul says that he is the least of all the saints, he's using that word to refer to believers. It's a word, saints, that would commonly refer to believers. So he's not saying that he is on some sainthood level, but he's just like the junior varsity of that. Like, my children talk about professional athletes, and they say, well, they're not that good. And I'm like, yeah, but they're a professional athlete, so they're pretty good. Paul's not saying, hey, I'm pretty good, but I'm, I'm not as good as the good. That's not what he's saying. He's doing something here that is important in our growth in the faith. Paul is not comparing himself to others. He is comparing himself to God. He has a mentality that says, I am the very least of all the saints. We ought to have this mentality. And this mentality shapes how we view others. This mentality shapes how we view our circumstances. And this mentality shapes how we view what we ought to do. It shapes here how Paul views his calling. He says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Paul knows who he was, and he sees what God has done. But you see, it's not just about knowing who you were and what God has done. It's about knowing who you are, who you are now. If you read through the writings of Paul, he continues to find himself not wanting to do or not doing the things he wants to do. He continues to see the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Christianity isn't just saying, I once was like this, but now I'm like this now because of God's grace. Christianity is saying, I'm still kind of like that. 
And I still depend on God's grace to transform me. The boasting here is in God's past, present, and future grace. And in his power, he says, which was given me by the working of his power. That word is where we get our word dynamite. It's an explosive strength or ability. Paul understands what God is doing through him is a result of God's power. God takes empty vessels and fills them with his power. Let me say say three things to help us understand how God takes empty vessels and fills them with with his power, sorry. First, we empty ourselves or our circumstances empty us. We empty ourselves or our circumstances empty us. We need to be emptied of ourselves. Today, if you are full, you can humble yourself. You can abandon your pride and you can bow before the almighty God and ask him to have his way in your life. You can empty yourself before God. And if not, God can do it for you. God can throw something at us or take something from us that causes us to be emptied. That might be what is happening in your life right now. Now, I am not suggesting that this is always why people experience suffering or setbacks. In fact, if you read the book of Job, One of the major themes is that his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they continue to accuse Job that he must have done something wrong or there must be something wrong about him. That's why this is happening and and they're rebuked for that very thing. Sometimes God is just causing things that we would say are not good to happen so that his glory can be on display. If your theology does not leave room for that, your theology degrades the very word of God and dishonors people. But I am suggesting that often the reason why we are experiencing the setbacks, the struggles in our life is because we need to be emptied of ourselves. So when I pray for people, I will sometimes pray, God, do whatever you have to do to get them to see you. Because as much as I don't want them to lose things, I'd rather them lose things and see God than have everything and not see God. That is core to our understanding of Christianity because if we aren't emptied now on earth of ourself, eventually we will be. That's hell. Hell is us trusting in ourself and seeing how empty that is for all of eternity. And so the second thing that I would say here this morning about this is that if you don't think that being filled with God's power is more valuable than anything that you can fill yourself with, you haven't been emptied of yourself. If you don't think that being filled with God's power is more valuable than anything that you can fill yourself with, then you haven't been emptied of yourself. You haven't seen the power of God. This should be the thing 
that is on our hearts more than anything. I need God's power. But if our primary focus, our primary need, our primary desire is possessions or things that come along with possessions, income, or our primary need is status and recognition and likes, or our primary desire is acceptance and affirmation of a group, we haven't been emptied. And let's be clear here. People use religion as a means to be filled with these things. There are those who think that God is a means to health and wealth. There are those who actually see religion as a means of exaltation. And so they may have not been able to be successful in ways in the world, but by being good at religion, they are exalted. And it becomes a source of pride. And there are those who find a group who accept them and assure them and affirm them for, what, affirm them for whatever they believe and attach God's name to it. And all of these are a means to our vanity being displayed in the name of God. And if we don't think that we need to let go of all of that and to depend on God, and that's our greatest need, we aren't empty yet. The third thing about how God takes empty vessels and fills them with his power is this. When you view yourself as the least of all the saints, you will gladly serve the least of these. When you view yourself as the least of all the saints, you will gladly serve the least of these. You see, there is a transformation that takes place when the gospel takes root in our heart, when Christ is in our heart. And we begin to operate with a different currency. We do not see people as opportunities to make deposits in their life so that they might, or someone might make a deposit in our life, but rather as Christians, Christ has made an immeasurable deposit in our hearts. And so we then make deposits in other people's lives. Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. The, the Greek word there for minister is the word diakonos, which means servant. It's where we get our word for deacon, the office of deacon. He's saying, I am now a servant of the gospel. In verse eight, he says, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, those who are outside, to, to bring the good news to them, who have nothing to benefit me in my upbringing, in my background, to preach the gospel to them, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we see that this drives Paul's life this spiritual need that exists in people. And we also see that he's constantly exhorting the church to meet physical, tangible needs so that the spiritual needs might be met. As Christians, we become servants. We become people who serve others. When the gospel takes root in our life, what God is doing and does is he takes empty vessels and he fills them with his power. So what's the application for you this morning of this point? Perhaps it's to be emptied. You need to let go of the things that you're obsessed with so that you can really look to God and his power. Or maybe it's in that moment of emptiness that you're experiencing to not fill it with something else, but to fill it with God's power. 
I want to illustrate this. Pastor Justin, if you would come up here and help, help me out, um, just because I think this might help you to understand what I'm saying. So um, I'm going to use the Bible as a visual of uh, God's power. I think that's a fair, right? There's an illustration of God's power. So um, this is God's power, okay? And so God reveals to us. God has revealed who he is, who we are, how to live to all of us. His power is available to all of us. It's right there. Empty hands, we take it, receive it, okay? But, and some of you are here and you're saying, I want God working in my life, but this is how you're living your life, okay? You have all these conditions. So uh, let's not start with that one, okay? Because that one's kind of funny. Okay, so let's start with this degree, right? So this is one of my degrees and uh, it's from Liberty, Go Flames, and Liberty has to have the biggest possible degrees possible. Uh, so, so we'll let this represent our desire to achieve, our desire to be successful, whatever, whatever that might mean for your life. It takes on various shapes and forms, but okay. So this is this thing we're holding on to, right? So we have that, and so we still, we, we wanna pick up God's word, right, and receive his power, but really God is asking us to have both hands, but I think a lot of us are kinda doing this and we're trying to receive God's power because we're holding on to something, right? But the issue is actually, most of us, it's not just that. Then it's this beautiful painting, by the way, uh, my family's given these away, everything besides this away, so if you want any of this, you can have it. Um, after the 11 o'clock service. Don't throw that right now, no, no. Um, actually, I, I don't think I can give Nate's football away, but that's okay. So I just totally retract everything I just said. Um, so this is beauty, right? And I think a lot of us want beauty in our life, whether it's personal beauty, whether it's being able to go places and see personal places, experience it. Maybe it's just journeys in life, whatever it might be called. We have something like that we want, right? So we're holding on to those things, okay? So now our hands are getting pretty full. But then it's not just that, right? It's, it's yeah, thank you. It's comfort. I mean, comfort out of value, just so you know, but it's, it's comfort, right? That's right. So we justify it, right? Because it was 50% off. That vacation was 50% off. The house, we got it at a good price. Ooh, man, I'm preaching now. Okay, all right. So we have to have this comfort, right? So we add that, okay? And then I wanna be healthy, right? So here's Premier Protein cereal, which tastes terrible. Sorry if you work for them, um, but uh, so that's healthy. Ooh. And then, oh, look, first of all, hold that up. This is gonna visualize our kids having fun in life, but who buys that? I mean, we did, apparently, but <laughs> that does not seem safe. Okay, anyway, um, that's just why we're getting rid of it to anyone who wants it. Um, so, so our kids gotta have fun, right? They gotta do all the things, be in all the activities. We, we have to give them that kind of life. And then, um, oh yeah, so here's the evangelical dictionary. We have our religion. Oh, don't put that on the head. We have our religion, or maybe it's just spirituality or whatever it might be, and we're holding on to that. And then we have our sports team, Go Gators or Bama or whoever. Um, anyway, and then we have our superstition because we live in America, right? So some kind of superstition. So I know I'm being funny. You can go over there, Justin. So don't let me step on the basket. Watch out for me. Okay, and then we say, listen, and then we say, God, speak to me. God have your way in my life. And he's trying to give it, but we're holding on, we will not let go of these things. And so there's all these conditions to which we want God to work in our life. And so what God might do, you can put that Bible down. You represent God right now. I hope your kids are, hope your kids are listening. Um, <laughs> start taking these things away from me. What God might do is he might start taking things away from us. You can put them down in that basket if you want, wherever it went. We didn't rehearse this, as you can tell. So he just starts stripping us of all these things. 
And what I think most of us do in those moments is we cling to like the one last thing. We begin to find our identity and our security in that. Or if he even takes that from us, then we go and we run to something else. But God, God's power is available to you. And all he asks is that you empty yourself and you trust in him. And he might give you some of these things. I don't know. But what we need to realize is what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's the realization that whatever these things are, whatever God has for me is what I treasure most. We really have to come to that place. And you see, God's plan is to take those kind of people and work through them. And that's what we see in this text. The second big thing, again, is that God's power enables the church to show the world the wisdom of his purpose. Verse nine and 10. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There are four things here. First, God's plan is being brought to light. The series is called The Mystery. Last week, we talked about the mystery of God, things hidden in God, but the text is clear. Those things are being revealed to us, and they are made clear in Jesus Christ. The grace of God for all people is the mystery we should marvel in and proclaim. In the near of our lives, and it will be what we marvel in and proclaim in the far. The, the word, the phrase manifold wisdom is used here. The Greek word for manifold occurs in the Bible only here. It's very unusual. Half of the word is used to mean raw in various colors. So diversified, intricate, complex. It's, it's the basic idea of varied in color. Then Paul puts a prefix on that word that means many. This is why the NASB and CSB translate this multifaceted wisdom, which is probably a better word here. The emphasis is on many colors and intricacies and variations and subtleties. So since that is in this text, I want you to think of the display of God's wisdom as a universe-sized painting with innumerable colors and shadings and textures. It is unsearchably intricate, but it is being made known. God's plan is being brought to light. The second thing, God's plan is to use the church to bring his plan to light. When I say church, I'm thinking of the Greek word ekklesia, which is this assembly of people for a purpose. And it's expressed in three ways. There's the kingdom church, which is all believers who will be gathered at the throne of Jesus, assembled together, singing his praises for all of eternity. And then there's the local church, that we ought not to forsake the assemblings of ourselves as the manner of some, but we ought to continue meeting together. We gather together to stir up love and good works. And then there's the cell church where we really press in and we hold each other accountable and we begin to do the one another's of church. This is God's plan A. 
There is so much misunderstanding about Christianity and the Bible because we think about it and come at it from an individualized Western point of view. But in the Bible, there is a father and there is a family. And the family is the church. I really need you to understand this. We, as the people of God, are a family. What happens sometimes is church is viewed as a purveyor of religious goods and services. And then people treat the church like it's a business. And they become consumers and and critics and complainers. We are not a business. We are a family. And what God's spirit does through his word is he grows the family closer together. And then he grows the family and brings new people into it. So let's come back to this idea of this painting with all these kinds of intricacies. And I want you to think of a picture as big as the universe, as old as creation, and as lasting as eternity. We call that picture history. And the center of that picture is the preparation, salvation, and formation of the church of Jesus Christ. And God is using thousands of different brushes, very ordinary, very small brushes, because every minute detail is crucial to him in this painting to display the wisdom of the painter. We are those brushes, and God is using us in his mission to help others see his manifold wisdom. Third, God's plan might include worldly concerns, but it transcends them. Verse 10 says, God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There are tangible things related to God's plan. Where we will live, resources we need, people involved, doors to be opened, but ultimately God's plan is spiritual. Paul will remind us towards the end of this letter to focus on this, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 12. We'll unpack this in detail in a few months. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the armor of God because the devil is scheming against the church. And remember, the battle is not what you see in flesh and blood, it's principalities and it's darkness. I have to remember that, that even though God might use people sometimes and worldly circumstances to be the means of slowing down or hindering me from living for the Lord. They are not the enemy. The enemy is using them in some way. We have to remember that while we might vote according to our conscience and we might desire to have great godly leaders, the greatest agenda we have is not a culture war. It is a spiritual war for the kingdom of God, for the souls of men and women, that God might be made known now, now, to the authorities in the heavenly places. God's plan might include worldly concerns, but it transcends them. And last, God's plan is realized in the person of Christ. 
verse 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. God's eternal plan was to have a people for himself, for his glory. And that plan is realized in Christ Jesus. And when we realize that in Christ ourselves, Jesus gives us boldness. Jesus gives us access to the Father. And all this is with confidence. How? Through our faith in him. Our focus is on who Christ is. Not just who he was, who he is. That's our focus. And our faith in him isn't arbitrary. So when we trust him like this, boldness, access, with confidence, we become generous. It affects our money. We become servants. It affects how we view other people. It affects how we treat and speak to and about other people. And ultimately, the greatest agenda for our earthly life becomes the gospel going forth because we realize that eternity in Christ is the greatest need of every person who we're around. And I think what has happened is we've become distracted and we're not seeing that happen in most of our lives the way that we should be. And, and, I, and I think that we become obsessed with how the world might bring us to a place where we might deny Jesus. But I was in a conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago named Brandon Albright, and he said this, and I'll never forget he said this, Satan isn't trying to get us to deny Christ if he has succeeded at getting us to forget Christ. I think there are people who are obsessed with, when is that day come when somebody's gonna try to give me the mark of the beast to deny Christ, and you've forgotten Christ in your daily life anyway. There are people who are wondering when it's going to be illegal in our country to share the gospel, but you don't share the gospel when it's legal. I was listening to um, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simbola. I read it about a decade and a half ago uh, before, but my wife's listening to it, and so I was listening to it with her, and I was reminded that he said that he doesn't trust this passion that Christians have to keep prayer in schools when most Christians just don't show up to a prayer meeting in their church. If we really view Jesus this way and we really believe that this is our life, why isn't it translating to how we live? Because the vision of the church is to be about the plan of God realized in Jesus Christ and to orient our lives around that. And Paul says in verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. I remind you that Paul was in prison writing this and he talked about he's a prisoner of Jesus and last week we explained that trials are a part of God's grace. God uses them and so he says don't lose heart over this circumstance. Now is he saying I don't want you to grieve if you're in a trial or someone you love is in a trial? No. Is he saying I don't want you to be sad? No. Is he saying you can't talk about it? No. 
But what he's saying is don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged by worldly sufferings. Notice Paul is not mentioning this suffering to get pity. He mentions it because he wants the church to know that it is for their glory. This is their glory. Do you see that at the end of verse 13? I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Grace that extends beyond the gospel is for the gospel, and everything that God is doing in the life of a Christian is to be used for the gospel. Paul says in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain for the Christian, so I want my life to then pour out Christ. That's the perspective we ought to have, no matter what's happening. Paul will write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, talking about the suffering happening to the saints at this day. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul gives us this perspective that we ought to have. When we have not or when we have, that the things that we see are transient. But the things of God's wisdom are eternal. And we ought to be thinking about that and viewing our life with that perspective. One of the most powerful things that I get to witness is when people are in a position where almost everything has been stripped of them and they see so clearly. Last week, we had the opportunity to pray with our sister, our church member, Stephanie Bruner, as she was preparing this week for surgery to remove an aggressive brain tumor and uncertainty of this week and the weeks to come. And she fleshed out her concerns and worldly concerns. She also said and assured us of her trust in God. Because in that moment, she sees clearly. And sometimes it takes us getting to moments like that where things are stripped away, we're going through trials to see very clearly what God wants us to see. You see, and I'll close with this, the more we grow in the manifold wisdom of God, the more we see things with the eternal lens, the more we will understand that every ounce of pain and loss will be exchanged for an immeasurable weight of glory. When we get to heaven, we often adopt this mindset that we will want to ask God, why did you let this happen and do this and not do this? But y'all, when we get to heaven, we won't care because of the glory that is before us. Because of the glory that is before us. And so, the call today, if you're struggling if you're trying to figure out purpose, is not to rely on your credentials, not to change your circumstances, not to look for commendations, but to run to Jesus Christ. 
to be emptied of yourself and to be filled with his power and to see his manifold wisdom on display through your life. May you desire that above all things. Let's pray together. God, may we let go of our pride. God, there are things in this world that we hold to be very dear. In many cases, appropriately so. But God, when we come to you, may we treasure you most. And may we trust you that you will take empty hands and fill them with what we need from you and use them for the needs around us. So God, or my brother or my sister who's never come to you and realized they can't trust in themselves, it's empty. God, my prayer is that through your grace they would just see that clearly today and trust in the work of Christ on the cross for their righteousness and the power of the resurrection for their life. But God, I pray you do whatever you have to do to help them to be empty and see you versus full and deny you or forget you. And God, help us as Christians to just have such great joy in the eternal weight of glory that is being revealed to us and is so unsearchably intricate that it will be revealed to us for all of eternity and help us to live in the here and now in light of then and there. Have your way in us now. In Jesus' name.